I am on a mission to help organizations drive long-term success and results by implementing an unshakable transformation model. This model puts the employee at the center and works outward to support every aspect of the human experience in the workplace. Welcome to the Human Method Podcast. I am your host, Megan Bond, founder and CEO of the Bond Consulting Group. This podcast is designed to explore incredible guests as experts in a variety of professions and experiences to learn more about the tools that will transform an organization one person at a time. If you are seeking to improve yourself and how you live your life, or an organizational leader seeking to make a larger impact on your company through culture change, then this podcast is for you. If you are interested in learning more about personal or organizational transformation, I would love to connect with you. You can chat with me today at www.thebondconsultinggroup.com. Be sure to subscribe and get easy access to future episodes. Thank you and enjoy today's episode of The Human Method. Join me in welcoming our next guest. Born and raised in Miami, she is a Cuban-American with Hungarian and English roots. She graduated from Boston College in 2017, and while she was there, she studied econ, statistics, and accounting through Harvard Business School's online platform. After college, she graduated into the New York City fashion scene, where she worked for name brands and stores such as Goyard. Barney's, Bloomingdale's, Louis Vuitton, and Caring. Her most recent position she held was as the Chanel Accessories Leader at the Bloomingdale's flagship store in New York, where she oversaw 12 Louis Vuitton and Caring boutiques, totaling over $70 million in revenue with upwards of 60 direct reports. In this position, she held the highest business manager role in the company. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Helen Formoso Mirius. Helen, it is so great to have you with us today. So Helen, the cool thing about having you here today and the cool thing about your, your background is the fact that you are bringing this, this fashion piece to the conversation. You have this rich and dynamic background in fashion, but also you have this sensical practical economic background through your education and you're also in a leadership role where you have 60 direct reports so I think it's the blend of a lot of what we do at the bond consulting group where we help people with building their personal brand we develop leaders we work with senior leaders to individual contributors um, in the corporate space but then also adding in the practical application of everything really rounds you out. So with all that being said, I'm thrilled to have you. Welcome, welcome to The Human Method. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Megan. I'm so (laughs) excited to be doing this with you. Good, me too. And I have to let everyone know, so Helen and I have grown a friendship over the past five years. Helen and I worked together at Bloomingdale's at the same time in the New York City flagship store. And I was always so impressed with you, Helen. Your fashion sense is superb. I don't think I've ever met anyone in real life that that compares to 
how you show up and the way you present yourself and the way that you dress and your style. So let's start there. Tell me a little bit about your, your personal brand. Well, I have to say, you know, working with you was one of the most incredible things because you were someone who encouraged me to kind of explore that piece and push, um, the boundaries of what was fashion within the kind of microcosm of Bloomingdale's. So um, I, I'm so grateful to you with how I've grown over the last few years. I really bring a lot of it um, to you. So thank you. But, oh. um, it's true. Um, I, you know, a personal brand is sort of a, a funny, funny phrase and, and, and word. I really have always and focus on how I'm developing. Um, and that goes back to my education, but also um, how I'm doing at work, how I'm presenting myself. And so my personal brand really is all centered around building and maintaining and showing the confidence I have and how I'm presenting myself and how others are perceiving me. Um, I read once that you need to radiate positivity when you walk into a room. And so when I get dressed every morning, it's how is, how am I going to be perceived when I walk into a room? So it's partially with how you dress and, and fashion plays such an important role in that, but also how you are kind of looking and holding yourself in those clothes mm -hmm. um, matters so much. And that's why I think, you know, building a wardrobe that you're really excited about um, and makes you feel incredible um, is so important. How do you think that people can convey their personal brand through fashion? I know that you, you touched on this a little bit. Let's go deeper. I think it starts with figuring out what, what makes you feel good and then kind of stepping back a little bit and looking at really what fits you best. Um, a lot of, um, fashion is not, looking at what is the hot item, what is trending, um, but how are you building a wardrobe of pieces that will not only last, but feel constantly modern um, and make you feel incredible and make you look your best. Um, and that's where you kind of have to start with building your own sense of style. And then you add in pieces that kind of really, you know, to bring in Mary Kondo, like, bring you joy. You know, when you see it, this necklace that makes you feel fantastic um, and that will just change the way your little black dress or um, your suit looks um, on a given day. So kind of adding the individual pieces that will kind of add a little bit of extra um, specialness to your kind of capsule wardrobe that you've developed. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is the value add of having a good wardrobe or a wardrobe that, to your point, makes you feel really special and really good? Uh, because I feel that the counter argument to our conversation about personal brand through fashion, through style would be, well, I think it's more about, you know, your mental discipline, your cognitive abilities, showing up for work and doing a good job. Fashion feels materialistic. So how would you push back on someone who, who feels that way? Well, I feel very strongly on this point um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's been proven now that you have more opportunity available to you when you are perceived as someone who is 
when you're perceived as someone who's highly educated, you're perceived as someone who um, will look the, you know, an acceptable manner in a boardroom. I, you know, somebody who they fit can see visually fit into the role that they're looking for to fill. So, you know, we talk about this in, in interview preparations, but also on every single day, if you're looking to grow within a company, you need to dress accordingly because otherwise, no matter how good at your job you are, people won't see you in that next position unless you're dressing for it. And that, I mean, there's a classic phrase of just for the job you want, but it really um, is true. And I've seen it in my own life. And I think there's another part of it where, you know, I've, I, when I was little, I had really frizzy hair and I just, I didn't, I wasn't so confident in the way I dressed or anything like that. And I had some really good, you know, parents who helped me, but also I was so focused on how to, on this whole concept of self-improvement from a very young age, um, that I learned how to do my hair. I learned how to do my makeup. I learned how to make my features shine. Um, and so that, so that someone can look beyond and see the hard work, the results I've been driving at work. Um, but without being able to just step into the room and someone feel, feel your, um, you know, attention and, and, and confidence through your fashion, um, then you don't have the opportunity to see the next bit. Um, that all comes through your hard work. So I think it's incredibly um, important to have both. I think that's an exceptional point. And I, I read the other day that your appearance is more impactful than any other nonverbal statement you can make. And in fact, it's 70 to 93% of all communication is nonverbal. So I think to further reiterate what you said, when you show up in a certain way and you present yourself in a certain way through nonverbal cues and communication, uh, we can see the direct impact of how what we wear really impacts our level of confidence, our productivity, and overall happiness as, as we interact with other people. Because I think there's a psychology behind it too. You know, we talk about how nonverbal communication has a much bigger impact than actually our speaking words. And if that's the case, then aren't we internalizing that as well? What are we thinking about ourselves? How do we feel about ourselves based on our daily nonverbal interactions with others as a reflection of who we are? Um, so I think that when we take the time to take care of not only our health and well-being, but to take it one step further and take care of how we look, how we show up through fashion. Um, we're telling ourselves that we matter. We're building that confidence each time we put on a piece that makes us feel really great. So with that, Helen, you you brought up your, your childhood and I, I do wanna go back here a little bit um, and hear about, you know, you were brought up, you said, in a place where self-care and self-improvement was really important to you from a very, very early age. What do you think was the catalyst for that? And tell me a little bit about how your upbringing really reiterated your, your commitment and, and love for fashion. It started really when we were 
young, I have two younger brothers and we would travel um, to my mom's family is in Europe. And so we'd travel there and then go, um, and we had the privilege of going to different cities and exploring there. Um, and when we would do this, uh, we, my parents would sit us down and they would talk to us about, um, cause they had already previously visited, talk to us about the city and particularly describe, they'd give us, I don't know, five or 10 museums and they would give a little bit of a description of each, um, small museums, large museums, things like that. And my parents would then say, pick one, and that would be our special. And so our travels, since I can remember, have always been around art and looking at um, sculpture and art and, and that that is what was going to be our focus. So we're, I'm like, wow, I chose the Prado. So we're here and that's for me. And so we're looking and learning and spending time. And I think that's where it really started because when we're traveling, we're looking at those pieces, we would then go to the shops and we never spent time really on the high street. We would look at something, well, something on kind of on the more luxury piece. And in London, we'd go to Bond Street and walk and, you know, we'd walk into um, designer, you know, boutiques, or we'd walk into, um, you know, luxury department stores. And my parents wouldn't look at the product as something really to buy. It was something, it was part of an education to learn about design and how all of this, these pieces are all about, it's all centered back to art. And it's, there was a designer, there was somebody who built this. Um, and so my connection to design and fashion really comes from that. It comes from this understanding and, and connection to luxury as um, not something that's unattainable, but something that's an art form. So you're really buying into this, you know, these pieces that you can, you are able to wear, but it's all about um, appreciating the overall design. And then that, as I became a teenager, um, translated when I wanted to, um, you know, wear what was really cool. You know, I remember this one particular time wanting to wear like the denim hot shorts and it was just, you know, not made for me. <laughs> and I, um, I, uh, you know, I just remember the focus in kind of finding me clothes in those awkward years and beyond was all about showing me um, that you can be attractive and you can um, look your best without showing all your skin or wearing something super tight or, you know, being overly sexy or, you know, wearing something that everybody else is wearing, um, you know, that maybe doesn't look good on you. And so that focus on what looks good on me and how do I make myself look my best um, while um, I'm not kind of going too overboard on, on the, the sex appeal look. <laughs> yeah. And, and for some people, the sex, the sex appeal look works and it feels really good for them. And I think what I'm hearing and what you're saying is fashion and finding your fashion what makes sense for you is really an evolution. Um, it's self-transformation where you're really going through this, almost this branding process of trying things, 
realizing what doesn't work. I mean, you had the denim hot shorts for me. It was, you know, the sexy cropped cardigans where I would buy them because people were wearing them in magazines and looked oh, amazing cool. and did not look so great on me. So it was, it was going through the process of figuring out, okay, well, this doesn't work, but what could I do instead? And also looking around to culture, observing the arts to say, okay, what what do I really love about what this actress is wearing in this movie? Why am I really drawn to this particular cover of Vogue and what the model is wearing or the celebrity? So it's it's finding the pieces that inspire and speak to you and then creating for yourself what looks best on you. So there's there's work to that. There's a lot of work to that and a, and a discipline to finding out what what your brand should be through fashion. Uh, I think it's really interesting. And I wonder, Helen, do you think that there's a part that speaks to us when we go through this evolution of, of trying on different pieces and seeing what works for us? Do you think that there's also a part of us that connects on a deeper level of self-awareness? Do you think we become more aware of who we are through fashion, through art? Well, I can say that I think we definitely can re yeah, I think we definitely can reach our fullest potential through fashion. Um, I think we, you know, I, I see in my own evolution, even just since moving to New York, as my confidence has grown, as my um, awareness of fashion has grown, as my, um, and as I've grown as a leader and in my business, my my fashion has changed and and become what I've always kind of imagined. And I think that's also where it starts. It kind of you have to imagine mm -hmm. what your what you want your life to look like, what you want to be wearing in those moments that you're imagining. Um, and it's going down to those really detailed points is is what gets you is what gets you there. And so. Um, Right now, I just, I real had the moment the other day looking at my closet. I'm like, wow, I'm really building these pieces that I've always kind of, I've always wanted my wardrobe to look like. And eventually I'd like it to, you know, increase in brands. But I think also because I grew up around those brands, it's not something like I need that level. But what I'm looking for is coming back to design and coming back to that. And I think all of that grows you grow with your wardrobe or your gro wardrobe grows with you if you let it. Yeah. And I love the power of vis visualization that you referenced there as well, because we can accomplish so much and manifest so much through thinking about it and then attaching an emotion to that thought. And when you visualize how you look, how you're showing up for things, that definitely builds that element of, okay, I need to find a way to get there. Um, thank you. So tell me a, a little bit about how fashion has impacted your confidence and your ability to achieve more. I'm, I'm pausing only because I, you know, when I have these, when I have big meetings, right? When I have a big meeting or I have a presentation I'm, I'm giving, I put on a particular suit or particular look and I have, it's part of a ritual, um, to preparing for big days and in a smaller way every day before work becomes that and I think um 
you know, having rituals where fashion plays a part in that is so important. Um, and, you know, I think figuring out what I need to wear, <laughs> as silly as it may seem, actually allows me to take on the, the power position or, you know, by contrast, if you're, if you're not doing this at work and you're working at home, you know, making yourself feel um, bright and ready for, ready for the day. Um, and there's so many ways that fashion can play, can play a strong role in, in how you develop and how you approach each day. Yeah. So in, in that vein, thank you. Um, how do you think fashion has changed with COVID and the fact that we most likely won't be going back to the office full-time post-COVID? Um, how do you think people are going to, to respond to that in the fashion world? And, and how do you think people at home can still enjoy fashion, uh, but from a different space? I think it was, yeah, it was Tom Ford who says um, fashion is in hibernation right now. Um, and, you know, I think certainly fashion has shifted in the last few months. Um, definitely we're moving toward you know, I mean, how many cashmere separates have you seen online? <laughs> um, but uh, we're definitely moving in, in in that way. You know, sneakers at leisure was was kind of already at the height right before. And I think we're just continuing that. Um, but even at leisure is kind of step, taking a step back to these loungewear um, looks um, only because people are working out at home. So why do you need to look have a different look every day if no one's seeing it. So, um, you know, every category of fashion is taking a different turn. Um, the other piece though, is that I don't think that this is gonna, this is a forever change. I think fashion um, will certainly shift um, in a couple, for a couple reasons. One, we have fashion shows are not what they were and you can't have the buzz of fashion weeks throughout the, um, you know, what was it, four times a year. So um, ha without having fashion week, um, you lose a lot of the impressions that were um, being tapped um, by the fashion industry. Um, and you were getting a lot more attention to the fashion. And so with that taking a step back now, these social media platforms have kind of taken a front stage. Um, and that shift from online from physical retail to online is definitely you know taking way i see that with chanel where we don't sell anything online um we encourage every sale to start um in store and so we you know but even now every everything's virtual our clients aren't coming in store so um i think we're gonna see another year of this and eventually um I think people are going to are, are going to shift. I think fashion is going to shift. It's going to be, um, we're going to see things kind of come back to life and a lot of bright colors. I think will be, it'll be kind of back just like we had the roaring twenties mm -hmm. after, um, a really, um, you know, after devastation, you know, I think we'll have something similar come in the next few years. Um, but I don't think people are leaving home. So I think the way that we live is going to remain relatively the same. And I think building a home um, that is built, that is, you know, where you're surrounding yourself with beautiful things, that is going to remain um, investing in luxury rather than fast fashion um, is definitely going to remain. 
Um, I, I think that's really where I can kind of see slight changes and what I expect to come. Mm -hmm. Do you think that quite possibly your reference to the roaring twenties that post pandemic could be the revival of brick and mortar stores? Or do you think that's gone forever? I would love to say that, that it would be, I, I don't think I rather, I think brick and mortar depends so much on how that particular company is running their business and how they are going to be keeping up with the times. Um, I think it is absolutely not just possible, but definitely, um, you know, we'll, we'll see a resurgence um, after this, if done properly. I think everyone after this will want to be um, in feeling like they're part of a community and, um, you know, come together. Uh, and I think fashion and shopping is a wonderful way to do that. Uh, but I do think it requires uh, looking at the business in a different way. I think having thousands and thousands of pieces on the sales floor is not what our client is looking for anymore. And I do think that our client is and people are now shopping by category of item rather than by brand. And so the way that stores are designed and organized needs to change. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, I want to go back to a, a couple statements ago when you referenced fast fashion. Tell us a little bit about to, in your mind, the difference between or the importance of really investing in a quality piece versus the continuation of investing in fast fashion pieces? I think fast fashion allows us to have access to kind of styles that mimic um, the top designers in the world, which is a really, you know, beautiful and accessible way to enjoy fashion. Um, but at the same time, what 2020 has shown us is two, you know, is two things as well. It's one is sustainability and um, you, we're, we need to be moving in that direction and fast fashion is taking us in a different uh, direction um, and having quality pieces is going to be where our future lies, um, where we have fewer items that are more important and more, um, you know, transferable between looks and, and will you know, I don't like the phrase timeless, but it works, you know, it, where it's constantly modern, right? Constantly modern. And uh, on the other side, we have, I think on both ends, on both um, fast and luxury spaces, I think we're also gonna see this new avenue of um, more representation in fashion. And um, we'll be leaning in that direction, which I think will be right in the middle. Um, I think a lot of, product is going to be at this kind of middle price point and we're going to lose a little bit of the lower end and lose a little of the higher end and we're just going to kind of bring into this middle um, range which will hopefully with new brands that come you know support this um, diverse you know future state and uh, sustainability that will you know allow us to kind of continue buying in the future yeah well, Helen, we're all dying to know, what's your favorite piece in your wardrobe? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, my favorite piece at the moment is uh, a Stella McCartney blazer that was 
actually I taken from my mom's closet when I was um, a couple years ago. Um, but that is my favorite piece. It's just beautiful fit. Um, the color, it's a navy uh, blazer. The color, the fit, it's just is so good. And I think I've worn it dressed up and dressed down and I just think it's a, it's a great piece. And I think that is sort of the makings of what I would love every single item of my clothing to feel like. I feel like a boss and it also reminds me of my family and all of it. So that's my favorite piece at the moment. Wonderful. Thank you. It, what advice would you give to someone who maybe hasn't quite invested in fashion in this way at this level, um, but wants to get into to changing their brand and, and how they look? Where, where would they start? I think starting small where you have one piece that really feels good and that can doesn't have to be you know i think ready to wear can feel very inaccessible because of the price point um, when you're looking at luxury but getting a you know real fine jewelry like a piece of you know like a, a proper gold ring um or a you know some fine jewelry piece and then or you go and you go into the shoe side and you buy a pair of shoes um, that just make you feel fantastic. I think at going for the accessories first and adding that to elevate um, a uh, more a, a lower price point item um, in your closet is going to really make you feel good and special and will be much easier to get to. And I just, you know, then you can start growing and moving into, um, you know, pair of trousers or transferring your, your jeans to something a little higher up or, or accessorizing um, however you see fit. But I think starting with from the outside in sometimes is a nice way to start. That's great advice. And I, I think that, um, you know, as I think about this, I also think about fit. So as people start at the outside, as they start to revamp and edit their wardrobe and, and do that work, when you get to a place where you understand maybe what you like and what looks good on you, which is a lot of work to get there, but once you're there, there's also another piece, which is the element of fit. And Helen, I cannot tell you how many times I see someone, and I'm thinking of business, my husband, when he leaves for work sometimes with, you know, a, a beautiful suit, but it's a little big. Um, or, you know, a, a great skirt, but, you know, someone forgot to cut the threading in the back. So it's just how do you work through fit? How do you educate yourself on that piece? I think the dream state is to find a, you know, an alterations team that you can have is your local person. It doesn't have to be expensive, but no matter what you buy, you take it there mm -hmm. and they fit it to you. I think we right, especially right now, so much of fashion and style is driven by very few number of stylists in Los Angeles and New York that are styling these major celebrities. And we, I think we just have to remember when we look at those images, every single item was not just, you know, it's not just borrowed, it's not just um, possibly custom, but it's also fit to that person. And um, when we, you know, in thinking about that, you know, and reflecting on my own answer of the Selma McCartney jacket, it's the one piece in my item that was fit to me. But I mean, it was taken to a tailor to make sure it's my exact length and that's what makes you feel good. And that's how to make a wardrobe that maybe is not so um, 
you know, maybe your current wardrobe where you don't have to make any edits and you just kind of take pieces that maybe didn't fit right before and make that change. But I do think no matter what you have in your wardrobe, if it doesn't fit right, then it's better to find something else. It's better to wear something else um, only because um, you're not putting your best foot forward. I think it's kind of defeating, even if you're wearing something really expensive, if it's not fitting right, you're not, um, you're, mi you're missing what, would what, what you're trying to create, which is create an impression of, um, you know, confidence and I, I know what I'm doing. And you get that when your kind of your outfit and your your look can kind of fall into the wayside so your personality can change. Yeah. Um and so with that, where do you see and I, I think we've covered this a lot, but I love to sum it up in a few sentences for a takeaway for our audience. Where do you see the link between executive presence and personal style? Such a good question. Um you know I've had I had the opportunity to see, you know, work in a in an industry and in a uh in a place where i'm working with a lot of female executives and male executives um and from every level it really makes an impact especially during a presentation where you're in front of a lot of people or you'll you're going to be on on the you know in this case the sales floor or be very visibly present um making sure what you wear to all our points, fits you right, is the right piece for you, um, makes you have presence, you know, and uh, makes you look strong. Um, you know, those, um, I'm forgetting her name, but the one of the hosts of um, Good, Good Morning America ha recommends the superwoman pose when you have a, when you have a presentation, but part of, you know, having the superwoman pose is also being able to like, look like superwoman when you're up there, Yeah, you know? And I think it just plays such an important role. Again, no matter what level you are, even in a, as a sweet, sweet executive, no matter what level you are, to get the respect from others, to have the presence and the poise and the strength in your in your communication, all has to start with having a look that kind of allows you to share a message without distraction. Um, that's making you look your best mm -hmm. um, and so that you can share the greatest message you've ever shared. <laughs> so if you were to give one takeaway for our viewers today, if you could encourage everyone to do one thing to improve their personal brand through fashion, what would you want them to do? I would recommend whether you buy an, you know, an Ikea bar um, or you just make a section in your closet, but you go through every single item of clothing in your closet as it stands right now. Every shoe, every blouse, every pant, every jean, every t-shirt. And, you know, think of in creating my ideal wardrobe or even just looking at, does this, me three months from now, is this what I want to be wearing? Is this what I want to look like? Is this what really, when I wear this, do I feel great? Is this something I can style differently? Is this something I want to have in my in my closet, right? Do I want it front and forward? What you're looking at every single day um, and really going piece by piece to curate the pieces that you get to look at every day. Um, that is a great place to start and to then 
figure out what are the pieces I'm missing and buy those pieces. Don't be distracted um, and buy things that are going to add, um, you know, bulk to a wardrobe and maybe used for a couple days. But how do I, what, where do you find the holes in your wardrobe that you're like, this is the piece. This is the, this is the camel coat I've been dreaming of. And I think it's going to help me, you know, push this. And so whenever I walk into work, I'm going to wear that camel coat and it's going to feel fantastic. Um, editing, curating, and then designing what you want it to look like and only buying the pieces that are going to help you get there. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. And I have to tell everyone that's listening today. Um, so Helen and I are looking at each other through our Zoom screens right now. And I worked out this morning, so I had on my um, workout sweatshirt, sweatpants, and I turn on my camera, and Helen looks like a million bucks in her big, beautiful oh New York apartment behind her. Um, there's a gorgeous leather couch. Her makeup is flawless, and she's wearing the most incredible just like black camisole with this tweed blazer wrapped around her shoulders and it motivated me to tell her to hold on for a few minutes while I uh, threw on a jacket myself and and I will say there really is power in this practice I I went from you know excited to do our interview and chat to just feeling a little more buttoned up a little more sophisticated um and I'm even you know my posture's even changed since I threw on this jacket so um a little glimpse into Helen's world and um, how we can all improve our experiences in life and with others as we relate to people and things by how we show up, what we're wearing, um, and the fashion in our closet. So thank you again. And Helen, really, really appreciate having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Method Podcast. I am Megan Bond, and if you are interested in learning more about personal or organizational transformation, I would love to connect with you. You can reach me today at www.thebondconsultinggroup.com. I also want to thank Ayla Zimmerman for design and promotion of not just the human method, but our Bond Consulting Group site as well. She is a kick-ass designer, so please check out our site at thebondconsultinggroup.com. Sign up for our newsletter so that you can receive great content from us. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss our next episode. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme for the show, as always, is to be a little bit better each day. So remember, be better today.